Hi, everyone. It's Melinda Garvey with the See It To Be It podcast. This week, we have another great interview with an incredible role model. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the See It To Be It podcast. I'm excited to have another incredible role model with us this week and bringing you all these amazing women doing really innovative things. And this week, I'm super excited because not only is this woman doing great things in general and just killing it, but she's doing it on behalf of women. And so I'm really excited to introduce you to Denise Hamilton, who is the founder and CEO of Watch Her Work. It's an online learning platform for women. Denise, welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, I would love to, just before we get started and really start digging into what you do now and Watch Her Work, I'd like you to sort of go way back. When you were growing up, going through school, when you were a little girl, what was your big dream? What did you think you were going to be doing when you grew up? I literally wanted to be an artist. I remember like there was no greater feeling than getting that, you know, that new box of 64 crayons, the Crayola box <laughs> with a sharpener. There was literally nothing better, right? And just when I got that box or that box of watercolor paints or whatever, all I saw was possibility. Like it's not made yet and you can make it anything that you want it to be. Now, unfortunately, my mother is very artistic and very crafty, like can make or sew or paint almost anything. And my daughter is extremely creative as well. I assemble really well, but that artistic, true, like raw ability kind of jumped over me. Stay with the stick figures, right? That's how yes, I Yes, yes, yes. But I direct creative extremely well. How about yeah. that? I have an appreciation, deep appreciation for the arts that still drives a lot of what I do today. That's awesome. <laughs> so speaking of what you're doing today, talk to us a little bit about your career trajectory and how you ended up, you know, building a platform for women. So I started Watch Her Work literally to solve my own problem. I had been an executive for about 20, at that point, 23 years. Well, to stop counting numbers. Um, <laughs> but I had worked at Iran Marketing Promotions for AOL for South Florida. I was the first black broker in six states, top 10 companies in commercial real estate. I mean, I've just done a bunch of different interesting corporate things, as well as some entrepreneurial things and worked in some small businesses throughout the course of my life. And because of that, I became a lightning rod for mentees. Everybody wanted to take me to lunch, pick my brain. I could have had coffee 11 times a day. You know, it just was a really, really bizarre kind of reality because I was talking to my other friends that were also, you know, successful in their spaces, CFOs, general counsels, and they were having the same problem. They were like, I don't get to see my own kids, let alone how do we get to this space that I have this responsibility to mentor hundreds of people? Like, I don't know how this is going to work. And really what we had was a supply and demand problem, right? We had a small group of women who were expected now to bring behind them a whole generation. And I was like, this is not sustainable. It's not effective. How can we scale this? So literally I said, you know what? The truth of the matter is these folks are kind of asking all of the same questions. What if we just filmed the answers to these questions and made it easily available to them on their own schedule at their own, you know, pacing? Because there's so many challenges, I think, to mentorship today. First, I don't know if you match me with superstar, rock star, a mentor at my company, am I going to call him or her and say, I cried in a meeting? Probably not. 
oh, I slept with John in accounting and now he's telling everybody, like, I'm not going to call them when I make a mistake or when I really need help. So we needed a way that would have access to this advice without being taxed for it. Right. Right. The other kind of challenge that we have is, you know, let's be honest, there's the sparkly, shiny girl with the perfect hair and the straight white teeth. She's going to get a mentor. Right. But if we don't have a mechanism to mentor everyone, we don't move forward. We've always had a percentage of women that could thrive. Like that's not the goal. The goal is that all women have the ability to excel and succeed in these different environments. So we needed a way to democratize access, right? Just because you live in It's Bits, Iowa or rural Texas, it doesn't mean that you're not ambitious. You might not know a woman that's a VP of anything. Literally, like you don't know anybody like that. Well, if you can't find one mentor, I'm going to give you access to hundreds. So now you have that information and you have it when you need it. And without the price that sometimes a living mentor relationship might have, right? And then there's the scheduling factor. I don't know, like, I don't know about you, but like doing the laundry and folding the laundry and putting the laundry away, those are like three different day events. Right? Like, and sometimes you have to actually run the washer twice because you've left it in there for two or three days and it stinks. No judgment. <laughs> There's no judge. This is a judgment free zone. Okay. <laughs> so I think it's really powerful to consider that we have to give women access to information in the schedule that they can do it. The yep. reality is, if you have an interview tomorrow, or you're going to go ask your boss for a raise, if you want to watch those videos at two o'clock in the morning, if you don't watch it 10 times, you can, it's on your schedule. You control the access to that information. If I cried in a meeting today, I can't wait two weeks from Tuesday to meet with my mentor (laughs) to get feedback on how I should handle that situation. I need to know right now. So this kind of puts the information in the hands of the woman as she's going through the moment. So the other like cornerstone, big element of Watch Her Work is the sheer volume, the sheer number of videos, the sheer diversity. People always ask me, you know, wow, it's so much. Like, why do you have so much? Our goal actually is 20,000 videos by the end of 2020. Wow. And it has to be so much because women are so much. We're dealing with financial decisions. You know, does your husband make more than you? How do you ask for a raise? Do you tell your boss you're pregnant? Do you take that international assignment? Where should you live? How do you deal with mommy guilt? There are so many questions that we couldn't like limit it. I wanted to expand it, Mm -hmm. right? And likewise, you have to get your information from different people. It has to be somebody you relate to. Absolutely. You have to see see that spark of like, wait a minute, she's a little bit like me because she comes from a rural area or she was in this type of job or she has my same skin color, whatever. Or my same accent. And let's be honest, work is different for a pretty girl than it is for a not pretty girl. Like these elements are real. We have to have tall people, thin people, white people, Asian people, petite. I'm 5'11", right? I have a, a heavy alto voice. It's easy for me to go in and say, what you need to do is you need to do like I can pull that off. But can a four foot nine soft spoken, I might as well tell her to fly because she can't do it. Right. So we have to have different advice from different people. I love Sheryl Sandberg, but we can't get all of our advice from her. She has a different life than us. I think you learn something from 
listening to people that are just like you. And you learn something from listening to people that are totally different. And so I wanted to give everyone those options and it's paying off. Like we can see on the analytics where people sit, they get into a category, like for example, pregnancy, and they watch every video. I mean, like they sit there for two hours. They watch every single video in that category. And that means like, I want to learn about this topic. I want to, you know, I want to be able to just glean all of this wisdom from these amazing women. And I'm thrilled to be able to do it because let's be honest, we marginalize women after 45, Hmm. right? We stop asking them questions. We kind of push them to the side. And let's be honest, those are the women that know where the bodies are buried. They know what's really going on. So how do we access them? I'm kind of excited about having this platform where I dust those old girls off and bring them on into the scene and put them on camera because they know, they know how to handle this. And why should we have young people or anyone, my site's not just for young people, it's for everyone, but why do I want you to step in the same puddle I already stepped in? Right. Why would I do that? Right. And the women on my site, they are so generous. I probably have 300 people waiting to be filmed because they want to add content. They want to add their story and how they handle that situation because that's how women are, right? We have an oral tradition. So what I hope to do is to create a way to share that and continue that oral tradition in the way that we do it. I'm obsessed with it, as you can tell. I'm a... (laughs) I love this discussion about mentorship because, you know, it's such a buzzword, you know, about finding a mentor. And I agree with you. I mean, I will tell you that I've never had a mentor in the formal sense, right? Right. We meet once a week, once a month. We have this formal, you know, relationship. And I think that what people don't understand and they feel like a failure if they don't have one or if they don't click, but most senior level management executive women are like, oh, I don't want to be a mentor because time, right? They panic, just like what you're talking about. Like, I don't know if I can give it to this. And quite frankly, most mentees say they want to mentor, but they have no idea what to ask, what they need. And so I think it's a really interesting concept just to be able to give these sort of bite-sized pieces of advice from all different kinds of people. So you really mm-hmm. still have, but you have mentors on, on yeah, different subject matter. Absolutely. And yes. And that's, you know, exactly how we've sort of built it within our software platform as well. Just mentoring on specific subject matter, because those relationships, you know, you have to have chemistry, just like yeah. any other relationship. It's absolutely. Gonna it's going to be valuable. So I love the way that you've done that. Yeah, I see so many young women that are literally like panicked about it. They feel like failures. They're so disappointed in themselves. I can't get anyone. I can't find anyone. And I was like, you know, let's just crank up some videos, watch some information. We have so much information at our fingertips, right? It's strange to have this gap. And so I'm really excited to be able to bring it to bring this information and make it widely accessible. There was a time where if you wanted to be a carpenter, your dad had to be a carpenter. If you want to be a plumber, your dad had to be a plumber. Well, now we can teach those trades. We can teach those skills. We can teach these skills too, of how to get hurt in a meeting and how to handle microaggression and how to handle somebody taking your idea in the office. Like we can teach these skills. So that's really where I want to focus. And we're super excited this spring, we're launching Watch to Work in Espanol, and we're doing a Spanish language channel. So we're really thrilled about that. Our goal is we help women go further faster. That's what we're doing here. We want you to go a little bit further than you would have gone without us, and we want you to get there a heck of a lot quicker. So anything we can do to do that, we do. Well, so tell me, what are some of the biggest hurdles that you see women are facing in the workplace? And to kind of expand on that, so, you know, what are sort of the key things you're hearing over and over, like some of those really big ones? 
And then also like since the onset of this sort of new wave of the women's movement, I'll call it because, you know, we've had one going on. But, you know, do you feel like the needle's moving? You know, that's a really great question. So I'll take them one at a time. So the, the first of what do I see as the trend? I actually just launched a digital course called Master Yourself, Master Your World. And I've got to tell you that I really am seeing women who are in their own way. More than I'd like to admit. Sometimes there's a fragility, there's a risk aversion, there's a lack of organization, or there's a lack of self-advocacy. And I really want to teach women around those skills how to be authentically powerful. Because the the bottom line is you got to decide, are you going to be the princess or the hero, right? And I want to be the hero of my story. (laughs) And we have a whole bunch of women who have been socialized to be a damsel in distress, to sit in the tower and wait for the prince to save them. And I'm like, Rapunzel, honey, it was your hair. You can help yourself get out the tower, right? right? So I think that there's a energy that we need to have around how am I taking care of me? How am I advocating for me? How am I clear and articulating what my goals are? How do I act in my own best interests? How do I seek out advice from experts? You know, I always say we love to ask an amateur for expert testimony. Hmm. Stop asking your friends that aren't married what to do with your husband. Right. right? Like <laughs> they do not know. Right. So I think that it's really important to challenge yourself and to go pro and whatever that means in your environment. What does it mean? If I decide I'm going to be an author. Okay. Do you do writing workshops? Do you watch videos on writing? Like, are you immersing yourself in that skill or are you waiting for somebody to give you an opportunity? And what does that look like? I have been on the receiving end countless times of sexism, of racism. It absolutely exists in our workforce. I also have never applied for a job because my networking relationships, my power in connecting with people has created an opportunity where people recruit me. I don't apply to them, right? So you can overcome any adversity and you have to see what are my strengths, what are my assets and teach your brain to focus on what you do have, not focus on all the things you don't have. We have so much at our fingertips. There's so many different things that we're capable of doing and creating and being. Literally, we started Watch Your Work. Like I went and bought a cheap camera, a $20 tripod and a $20 lav mic. And we just started filming. And so to see where it has grown to today is kind of incredible because we didn't really know anything about this, but we just figured it out one video at a time, one event at a time, one relationship, one corporate partnership at a time. And you can do that too. Like I always want to grab people and shake them. And I think one of the most toxic challenges specifically of our time is we have the worst case of comparison-itis I think I've ever seen, and I mean, I'll be 50 in October, and I have never seen it this bad. I'm a keynote speaker, so I speak all over the country, and afterwards, we'll have women that are waiting to talk to me, you know, and share comments on what I said in my speech. And I got to tell you, 60% of them, I'm afraid to start. What if people judge me? I don't know how to do it perfectly yet. I'm waiting to get all my ducks in a row. And it's like, listen, nobody starts at an A. 
you got to start at a D and work your way up to a C and then push to that B minus. And it's like, like, that's the way this goes. And we have, I feel like a whole generation that's waiting for perfection. It's like, get out there, like do it. And I think the flip side of that is equally important. Be an encourager. Don't be a critic. I have a group of people that can't wait to call me and tell me I have a typo on the site. They can't wait. <laughs> well, you know that you didn't really phrase that correctly or, you know, you could have done that differently. There's two types of people in this world, creators and critics. We need more creators. We need people who are cheering for you. And if they call you to give you constructive criticism, it is in fact constructive. We need to be kinder to each other and encourage each other. You know, call three people today and say, boy, that thing you just did, it was really amazing. You don't know how powerful that engagement is going to be in touching them and making them go on. You don't know if they're ready to quit. And yet your call is the one that says, I can do this, keep going. So I think that we have to shift and resist kind of the current culture of constant external criticism and self-criticism, right? We need people talking to ourselves in a way you would never let anybody talk to your friend the way you talk to yourself. Oh, I'm such an idiot. This is so stupid. I can't do this. I'll never be able. I can't. I won't. Like, we need to purge that mindset and that language and get to a space where you just start getting on you and believing in you. I believe firmly in the giftedness of women. I believe in it. And I understand <laughs> that we have societal forces mm -hmm. that to an extent keep us small, right? It takes courage to be big, to fill the room, right? That takes a lot of courage. I always say like even language, let's look at our language. Women are crafty and men are artists. Mm. Men are chefs, women are cooks, right? Men start tech companies and women have blogs, right? Like, isn't it interesting? Like how we even talk about what we do ourselves. Yeah. Right. So I think for me, all the women that I've interviewed, all the experience I've had in my career is master yourself, get yourself under control, get your mind clear, do what you need to create the optimal conditions for your success, whatever that is. And that might be selfish. If you have to go get your nails done once a week because you feel like a savage if they're not done, you go do that. Because if it makes you feel powerful and authoritative and like you've got it together, do it. Have the courage to do it. But we've been socialized. Be a martyr. Be self-sacrificing. Put everybody else first. I believe firmly if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so true. Well, and I know that you do some work inside companies with diversity and inclusion leaders. And this is sort of this new, I mean, maybe not new in all companies, but fairly new buzz about like, how do we create these programs that truly not only, you know, help with diversity within a company, but really about inclusion as well. So I'd be curious in your work, just some of the initiatives that you see within some of these companies. Are they working? Because, you know, there's also a lot of a negative buzz about DNI, and it's like, oh, are people just talking the talk or are they actually making progress? I think it's a mixed bag. I think that, you know, like anything, your success and your outcomes tie directly to your intent and the quality of your execution. I think if you're doing DNI activities just to check a box and just to <clears throat> say you did it, then you get that kind of experience in organizations. I yeah. think if you're truly committed 
then you get a different outcome. In my work, I'm brought into organizations. I have what I call the Thoughtful Conversation Series. And it's really around the values that drive our decision-making. We can really reduce diversity inclusion efforts to black, white, men, women, Gen X. I don't personally feel like that's what it's about. It's about like, what are your fundamental values? What is your fundamental belief of fairness and equity and opportunity? And what is an organization? An organization is a group of standard operating procedures and it's a group of organizing principles. That's why they call it an organization. So diversity flies directly in the face of that. They're trying to make everything the same. And here comes this person that's really wildly different. And how do you make those things happen together, right? And I think that some folks embrace it and they understand that if you harness that diversity, that different kind of thinking, you'll be innovative. You'll be cutting edge. You'll be at the front of, at the tip of the spear. And some people fight it, kicking and screaming the whole time. This is miserable. I can't stand it. We're here to pick on white guys. I'm never here to pick on white guys. I love white guys. I, um, I think that it's especially old ones. <laughs> right. I think that it's important to find the places that we can agree and build on that. And right now, I think the space that we're at in our country is it's become easier to disagree and reject you than it is to disagree and reject an idea or a concept. That's where I focus my work of like, let's find the knob at your back and let's turn it down. Let's have thoughtful conversations about you know, why is this person upset about this? Why was this offensive? Why did this rub somebody the wrong way? How did you handle that disagreement that could have been at a two and you made it at an 11, right? Like how do we have that change in behavior that allows for the true exchange of ideas? Cause that's what we're talking about, right? I grew up in New York City and I live in Houston, Texas. You know, I went to a, a predominantly white college, a predominantly Asian high school, a predominantly black junior high school. Like I've been in every kind of Petri dish environment that there is. <laughs> I've lived in LA, I've lived in Miami, I've lived in New York, and now I live in Houston. So I've seen all kinds of people from all walks of life and all perspectives. And the common theme that I see is rejecting the person before you've given yourself a chance to listen to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So how do you create a culture of listening? Right. If we just have that goal of, wow, I don't really understand why you would feel that way or why you think that way. So rather than getting mad and arguing and screaming, why don't I just ask some key questions so I can understand instead of making you a monster? I think too often in these situations, we need the other person to be a monster. They're not a monster. They're another person who has a different thought process, slow down, see where you can find common ground, and let's build on that, right? And I think if we do that, we'll be better off. It's really hard to do that right now. That's why I'm super busy. <laughs> and it is, it's a fascinating time to be in this. And it's, it's really, you know, just interesting just to hear somebody else, you know, like me, who's deep in this space and, and what you're seeing because it aligns. And, you know, I look at a lot of this as, I sort of coin it as, you know, we need to have more tolerance and more grace. And I think people are scared of tolerance because they believe that by being too tolerant, that's when a lot of the really bad stuff happened because we were too tolerant. Sure, you know, sure. But, but we can't just throw tolerance away because otherwise mm. then we're always at each other's throats. And then sometimes, you know, look, we're all going to screw up. Even you and I who are in this work all the time. I can't tell you how many times I stumble. You know, I'm around it more than others. 
we're all going to screw up. We're going to say the wrong thing. We're going to upset somebody. We're going to offend somebody, but we have to be able to have that open conversation. And I think that in all things, that's what, you know, moves people forward. So appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I think you've got to let people grow. Everybody's not going to be at their same level of wokeness. You've got to let people grow. And what does that process look like? And we're not necessarily taught that. How do you layer mercy into your interactions? There's times when I will get on, roll up my sleeves and we can fight to the death because there's something that is so important that I am, you know, guns blazing, let's go. But that can't be every day, all day. You've got to have the patience and the, the tenacity and the, the willingness to slow down and just understand, try to understand the other person's point of view. And so that to me is the new skill. And it's weird in the diversity and inclusion space, there are so many words that people are tired of, right? And I think that's even interesting. How has language even shaped what we do and how we think about it? Like you say safe space and people go, oh, and they start rolling eyes. (laughs) But it's like, how do you solve these problems in a way that everyone can live with? As many people as possible possible can live with it. Because I don't know if you find any perfect solutions, but it's just such important work. And it's such an interesting time to be doing this work, (laughs) like you said. And I am super glad to see so many powerful women stepping into this and really kind of being at the tip of the spear of some of these discussions. That's right. Well, and the exciting thing is, is that as we know from the statistics, you know, when women band together, and I actually believe that we've got this women's movement thing licked if we want to. I mean, and that's the thing is, is that because we can wait around, like you said, and be the the damsel and wait for other people to solve it or other people to stop doing the bad things, which they need to do. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, I believe that we have the power in our hands. If we just turned it on and we introduced all of our friends, like, you know, the old boys network was built by, hey, I got a buddy who does that. Hey, I got a buddy to introduce you to. I got a buddy for that. If we just did that and made those introductions and actually helped women and didn't see the world in a scarcity mindset, Mm -hmm. this whole thing would be solved. I actually really believe that and kind of preach that to women is that we're so powerful together. And it's proven out in the stats that the women who are in those high level positions, the number one quality they have in common is they had a group of women supporting them along the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, pretty simple. I mean, you know. And we've seen it before. I mean, what a great example of mothers against drunk driving. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how old your listeners are, If you're old like me and you're listening, there are so many changes that women have been at the tip of the spear of making happen. We act right now like we can't make anything happen. I don't understand where that powerlessness comes from. It's all in here. That's right. And it starts with exactly your motto of just master yourself. That's it. I give an example. I'll give you a sneak peek into my presentation when I do my keynotes. And I ask everybody in the room, do you drive a car? And everybody raises their hand. I said, do you have a purse? And everybody raises their hand. I said, so we have 100% of the room that drives a car and has a purse. Huh. How come there's no place for your purse in your car? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there is a place for it to go flying off the seat. And So I literally say, if, if your purse is on your passenger side and you stop short, what happens? And the whole room will go like this because everything goes on the floor and you're picking lint off of your lip gloss yep. and, you're, and it's miserable. <laughs> now, if only they redesigned cars. Oh, 
They do redesign cars. Every year, every model is redesigned. There's a way to make the seat go back because, I mean, you might be a tall guy. There's a way to light your cigarette. There's a place to plug in your phone. There's a place for everything else. Why isn't there a place for our purse? Mm. Why indeed? I think that General Motors needs to hear from you. I mean, come on, Mary Barra. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you why. We're not in the room when these things are designed and we don't demand it as consumers when they are. What if we just started demanding the things that we need to succeed and to excel? What if we just owned our power? And that's what you're talking about. The wealth that we can take control, the influence that we control. It's so incredible. And so my thrust has been, yes, there are a million things, big changes, sweeping changes that need to happen in society. That's not my ministry. My ministry is how do I get you from being at 62% and get you to 81? Because if 100,000 women in America go from 62 to 81, this whole world changes. That's right. It literally changes overnight. And so how do you take care of the stuff you got to take care of so you can be the most dynamic, powerful person that you can be? Then you can influence so many other people and things and forces. So it's good to find another warrior on the battlefield. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And I just appreciate you sharing with us so openly. Unfortunately, our time is winding down here, but tell everyone how they can find you, how they can find, watch her work and get involved and and start getting to at least 81%. At least a minimum of 81%. A couple great ways. This is my favorite question. Obviously, go to watchherwork.com, check out the videos, share your feedback, send in questions that you want to see us have answered. And also, you can send in your own video. If you, you know, solved a problem, you had an issue, and you really came up with this great way to resolve it, if you'll share it, then that goes into the archive and it makes it better for everyone. This is a free tool. I got a lot of pushback on that when I started doing this, but I was like, I did this to democratize access to this information. This is not the moneymaker. We want to create the biggest database of professional advice for women in the world. That's the goal. That's the dream. And so any way your listeners can support that goal by sending in videos, sending in questions, we're all here for it. The other thing is please follow us on social media. It's a strange metric to really care about. I'm not sure how I feel about it, but it is the thing that we're all measured by. And I always say it's fascinating to me how something that is free, sometimes your closest friends don't take the time to do it. And it really is a powerful metric for all women-owned businesses. So if you've got some friends, go through your friend list and make sure you're following their business on social media. You're sharing their content. You know, you have to feed what you want to grow. So we're at Watch Our Work TV on all the platforms. Me personally, I'm at Official DHAM, Denise Hamilton, DHAM, Official DHAM. So Watch Our Work TV and Official DHAM on all the usual places. And drop me a note. I want to hear like how I can be helpful. We travel all over the country speaking and I'm always available to come to your town. We'll be doing a book tour later this year and we're just busy. So reach out how you can help join the mailing list. Like just join the tribe. Just come on over. (laughs) There you go. go. Well, and we certainly will keep everybody apprised of what you're up to and be watching you. So thank you so much. Really appreciate the work that you're doing, the impact that you're making and your just willingness to share so openly. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week. 
and check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at onthedotwoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.